Good morning, everyone. I hope you are well rested. I hope that there's um, a process of feeling more settled, slowly, slowly happening. It's quite a different lifestyle here on retreat than the lifestyle we have in our daily life. And sometimes we were talking about it last night, uh, us four, that it sometimes can feel like when you're on retreat the first few days, feeling like a withdrawal. Withdrawing from all these activities, all these interactions, distractions. And here you are just with you yourself. But you're not alone, you're doing this together. I also really want to take a moment to appreciate your practice. Um, We all felt really inspired when we came back hearing from uh, half of you in the group meetings yesterday and also feeling inspired by individual meetings that we had with you. And also really looking forward today to the other group, um, uh, the people who haven't um, had a chance to kind of reflect on their practice yet after this morning, um, after this morning sit where we have some instructions. And this morning I'd like to offer ways to work with difficult hindering mind states that um, we've heard many of you talk about in the meetings which is very normal that they come up. It's actually really good to see them. And just to kind of come back to how we started in terms of our instructions, we started by offering you ways to become familiar with an experience that is easy to access. We've played with finding our anchor. How is your anchor right now? How, how is it manifesting? And perhaps you're using the whole body as a framework. And even if it's not your anchor, perhaps take a moment and to feel your body as best as you can right now. There's a body. It's sitting. It's pulsing, vibrating. It's so sensitive. And this body right now is feeling like this. And some of you have worked with a more specific anchor. It's a little more focused than the more broader experience of there's a body. And you've been playing with feeling the body breathe. 
And even if that's not your anchor, perhaps take a moment and to feel the air going in and the air leaving the body. And sometimes when we become mindful of the breath, we start doing the breath, that's okay. And sometimes we just let the body breathe by itself and we just feel it. Where in the body do you feel the breath the most? Chest, belly, nostrils. Have a look. Every breath is unique. They might feel the same, but they're not. Now that you've become more familiar with your anchor, especially if it's the breath and if it's or the body. Sometimes you can maybe alternate a little bit between them. When you feel really awake and relaxed, maybe really feeling the whole body. But sometimes we might get a little bit too relaxed to maybe then Focus into more the specific feeling of the breath. It's really a balancing act, this art and science of meditation. And then some of you have been playing with the anchor of hearing. And just like to invite us all for a moment to open to sounds. Let there be in the hearing, simply the hearing. On that bare attention level. Sounds simply come and go.
And this particular anchor can sometimes give some more space in your mind, open a little more. So anytime you feel you need to connect, to come home to an experience that is easy to feel, know you can return to these anchors. They're only happening in real time, now. And then yesterday, Joanna spoke very clearly and beautifully about sensations in the body that we can feel in connection to other experiences. We might experience a sense of sleepiness or fatigue. And then to kind of bring attention to the body, like how is that manifesting in this body? Or the mind was obsessing perhaps about something, frustration or sadness. And then to become interested in what's that like in the body? In this, I think Joanna called it meat suit, suit? Was it meat suit or body? Oh, my bad, (laughs) flesh suit. I like it. (laughs) This flesh suit is so uh, sensitive to our emotions. Or perhaps you've really experienced a hungry flesh suit when there were no more noodles yesterday. (laughs) You noticed a little bit of a tiny, little bit hungry flesh suit when you went to bed. And so today we would like to invite you to um, play with a new set of instructions that can help you work with, you could call them hindrances, that's how they're often called, or mind states that obscure perception of experience. Like Jazz was talking about how the fine dust was thrown in the air and it kind of colors for a moment this space in the room. Just these obsessing thoughts or emotions that obstruct the mind to be relaxed, to be concentrated, and 
the Buddha said, when there is a hindrance, it's hard to see the good in oneself and in others. And if you read his, the classical text, there's five of them. And I'd just like to mention them briefly, and you might have experienced them, but they come in many variations. The first hindrance is classically translated as sensual desire. Just this tendency of mind to really want something. And it can manifest in so many different ways here on retreat. When I'm on retreat, I can really feel it in my connection to coffee. Want to coffee. Mm. And the mind starts really, you know, thinking about coffee so much. It kind of pulls the pulls mindfulness away. There's there's no more mindfulness. The the mind gets clouded by this wanting. Or when there's a very quiet walk or sit, this wanting for it to continue. Wanting more. Quite often I have it too when I listen to a Dharma talk. And then some teachers, they sometimes at the end, they say, I'll close with this. And I can go, oh, it's going to be over soon. I want more, more stimulation. Like this tendency of mind of what's next? What can I get now? And then the second is kind of the flip side of the wanting, is the not wanting or aversion. A um, great example for me is judgment. So often there's this tendency to judge oneself or judge others. We're really having a moment where this is a strong dislike. I remember having that sometimes during the metta practice. It's like, I don't want this right now. aversion as a hindrance. Then the third hindrance, it took me a while to understand the English words as a non-English English speaker, but traditionally they're called sloth and torpor as a hindrance. So I actually had to Google that. I love sloths, by the way. They're so cute. <laughs> And actually, so when I'm feeling sleepy, I just notice sleepiness, and quite often there's that cute little animal with a baby around the belly or something. Kind of gives me a different attitude to my sleepiness. 
or dullness. And this hindrance is really when you're just like not really mindful. You know, going into dream states. Or there's a sense of real fatigue. Some of you mentioned in group meetings. So normal. It's so curious to see what thoughts come around these difficult hindrances sometimes. Like for me, when there is sleepiness, there's always sometimes this gentle voice that says, especially on retreat, Bard, go to bed. (laughs) Just sleep for the next walking period. It'll be good for you. (laughs) And sometimes that is really the voice of compassion. But sometimes it's really, there's also this subtle aversion to not want to walk or not want to sit. We get really real with ourselves on retreat. And then the fourth hindrance the Buddha identified is called, it's two, it's actually called, it's restlessness and worry. (coughs) It's this experience where the mind is fidgety. Just, it's even hard to find the anchor. There's tons of random thoughts. The body might also feel a little jittery, like you've had too much coffee or something. Restlessness. And it really obstructs the mind to be relaxed and concentrated. And seeing your own innate goodness and that in others. And don't worry. When the mind starts to plan and then the what if thoughts come. Have you already seen on retreat where your mind is like, oh, when I get out of retreat, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I'm going to tell this person I really love them and appreciate them. Oh, this is going to be hard. Next week on Sunday, I'll be doing this. Worrying. I once read on Facebook, worrying is like praying for stuff you don't want. So helpful for me when I'm in the midst of worrying to kind of stay with it. It really has that obsessing quality, just like when you're praying for something, but now you're praying for something that you actually fear, you think might gonna happen, worrying. And then the last hindrance the Buddha identified that obstructs our seeing clearly or color our experience is called doubt. And this can manifest in many ways too. Perhaps doubting one's own ability to do this. Accompanied by all kinds of thoughts, like, oh, I'm not good enough, I can't do this. 
or doubting this practice. Ah, this is not for me, probably. This is my last retreat. Or doubting the Buddhist teachings. Really? Total cessation of suffering? Come on. And doubt also sometimes manifests as not really knowing what to do. It's like you're at a crossroads. You can turn left, you can turn right, and it's just a lot of thoughts of not knowing what to do. There's a decision that needs to be made, and you came perhaps on this retreat to figure it all out. Instead of figuring it out, perhaps just name it. Oh, there's doubt. I'm doubting. And these five are offered by the Buddha, but there's so many others. Just to give you some more of mind states that are hindering us. It could be sadness, planning, feeling frustrated, bored, overanalyzing. Striving, over-efforting, all part of this human condition. So I'd like to offer instructions on how to be with them. And there's four steps in today's instructions. So when you are in your sitting or walking or standing in line for food or brushing your teeth and all of a sudden there's really a sense of the mind is obsessing about something. There's really something clearly in the foreground that's unpleasant. See if you can recognize it. That's the first step. And allow yourself some time, like, what is it? How would I give it a name, perhaps, in the mind, like note it? It might start with something in the body and a conundrum of thoughts, and you go, oh, this is maybe fear. Does fear feel right? as a way to name this experience. Oh, fear. Or anger. Whatever works best for you to kind of frame that experience like art is being framed, pictures and paintings to have a better look at it. And then after you've recognized it and perhaps gave it a gentle name, the second step is to see if you can really allow this mind state to be there.
recognize and allow. And quite often, there's an attitude around this mind state of, I don't want this, resistance. So include that as well. There might be fear and also really not wanting to feel fearful. Can can it be received and allowed as a second step? As if you try to accept it. You open yourself to it without aversion, with kindness, curiosity, and care. So recognize, allow. And then the third step, it might feel counterintuitive, but to become interested in it. Usually when we feel a painful or difficult emotion, we want to get rid of it, distract ourselves. Netflix has been such a companion when I did that. But here you're really invited to become interested. And a way to do it is what you've also done yesterday, is when you, for example, feel fear or anger, sadness, frustration, how does it feel in the body? So you kind of start to investigate a little bit. What is it exactly? How does it feel? What happens when you bring mindfulness to it? Perhaps there's also a few very predominant thoughts that accompany this particular mind state, this mood, this hindrance. Perhaps with fear you might see the thought, this is never going away or something. You know, oh, this is part of this. As you become interested. No need to kind of really analyze the whole thing or how it happened, but just this interest, gentle interest. And then the last step is to see if you can be with this mind state in and of itself. Fear is fear. It's not yours. You don't copyright fear. You don't own it. It's like you bring an attitude of no reactivity to it without identifying with it. It's not my fear, my anger, my frustration.
And so we'd like to encourage you and to invite you to play with this skillful means of working with difficult, hindering mind states. Recognize, allow, accept, interested in it, investigate, and non-identifying. And if you think of all the first letters of these words, of these four ways of working with it, this is acronym called RAIN. Recognize, allow, investigate, non-identifying. So just another tool in your toolbox of really showing up for difficult emotions, mind states, feelings. find refuge in this practice and let the practice support you.
what's happening right now. What experience is in the foreground of awareness? Is it helpful to recognize this experience right now? Or is there a more resting and simply knowing your anchor? What's happening? Can you bring a sense of wonder to this? taking a moment to see the wonder of awareness. How do you know what you're feeling right now? It's like this right now.
inviting you to check if there is a hindrance present right now or, or absent. Something the mind is maybe cranky or obsessing about. And if it's the case, can you recognize it? Give it a name. Oh, it's this. I sometimes even label the experience of not knowing how I'm feeling, but there's something not quite right. And can it be received and allowed? Is it possible to become interested? Not identified with it. This state, whether it's a hindrance or not, is not who you really are. Can you befriend also the difficult emotions? Like a new parent's holding a crying baby. And really taking your time and patience with this. This is practice. No rush, you're on retreat. It's like this right now. So we have a few minutes for questions about your practice before there will be a walking period or morning meetings.
sometimes when I feel agitated, the quality of consciousness seems to change. And when I name something, this whole box, like, whole mess of stuff bursts open. And I can no longer access the space. The last part I couldn't hear. What? That? What would I? Could you repeat the last sentence? <laughs> what do I do? Okay. I think it does. Um, I'll try to paraphrase your, your question and I'll take refuge in Sangha, always here, my peeps here, to support you. <laughs> uh, the comment that was made was about, it feels like in, that there's two kinds of experiences of being aware. There's the awareness where it feels like there's a connection with like the, the, the timeless quality the spacious quality of awareness. That's one experience. And the other experience is there is awareness, but um, there's awareness of uh, a mind state of striving, and then the mind state of judging, and it goes back into striving, and to see that whole conundrum. And it feels like when there is a recognition of a mind state, it's like it's opening up a whole box of, you say that in two in English, Pandora? Mm-hmm. Yeah, opening it up. And so... And then the question is, what do I do between, is that, is that, do I understand your question, what do I do between them? Because I couldn't hear that last thing, so. Right, so I'm wondering if right? I should, because I'm also striving to get back to that. Like, oh. Without ah. <laughs> now I hear what you're saying. And then, yeah, I'm just striving and it doesn't feel clear. Right. Right, right. So, this is really a question that has to do, on the one hand, with we really like it when we are experiencing moments of not having any hindrances and to really ex- experience that with awareness. And then there's also more time also to really experience the nature of awareness itself. We start to see its luminous quality, its spacious quality. And I even thought sometimes that when I felt that I was liberated, <laughs> I went to the teacher and I said, I think this is it. <laughs> and, and then he said, Bart, maybe you want to reframe that, uh, also using a frame, this is this. Right? That was helpful for me. So when you do experience, this is, this is the nature of awareness. 
But awareness is also present, and it still has that nature, perhaps, but we're not really in tune with it, like you described, when there's you know, a strong hindrance present. And then, the, the, like uh, Chas was saying, the room is colored by something, but we can still see it. Right? And that's what you've been doing. You've still been seeing, like, oh, there's striving, there's judgments. Right? You still have that support of awareness, but you're more aware of the object of meditation and not so much awareness itself, like you describe when you do that. Both is fine. Right? But sometimes when we're in this space where there is nothing hindering us, we can have maybe a more relaxed, effortless attitude. Like, um, I remember one of our teachers where Joanna and I were with, Gil, saying, when, um, when you feel your mindfulness is kind of smooth, you can maybe picture yourself on a, a bed that you pump up, or a floating bed, and then you put it on a pool. And then just there's awareness, spacious. Ah, right? And that happens sometimes. But then all of a sudden, boom, worrying kicks in. This might not stay forever, or whatever, you know? And then there's a hindrance, or, you know, a specific mind state again. And then it calls for our attention. And then it's better to get off the floating bed and maybe start pedaling like on a canoe type of thing, you know? So then there is some effort in this. But you still use the support of this awareness, but you might not be so much in tune with the quality of it like you are when the mind is not hindered or obscured by a difficult mind state. Mm-hmm. Is, is yeah, that's really helpful. Um, I just have a follow-up. Um, so the act of investigating when you describe pedaling, is that, is that the metaphor for investigating? Exactly. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, I sometimes would go, where does this come from? Does it have to do with my upbringing? (laughs) Oh, was it the school I was in? (laughs) Is it my uh, feeling less inferior when I speak Dutch with an accent when I'm in an all-Dutch audience? You know, yes, we do that. That can be known, too. I call that one usually overanalyzing. Oh, overanalyzing is here. Old friend. How does it feel in the body? Can I really invite overanalyzing in like the guest in the guest house? Even though it, ugh, that guest might you know, act in the guest house like a trashy rock band, not to disrespect rock bands. <laughs> but you know. So sometimes there's a hole, like you said, about opening up a box. There's more maybe difficult mind states that you all of a sudden start to see with this clarity. Still in the background, awareness is immeasurable and luminous, but we're not really in touch with that quality so much. But it's actually helping us to see things clearly that is, you know, hindering. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm aware of the time, dears. It's 9.14. So, um, oh yeah, Sangha, thank you. I was going to say have a great day. No, <laughs> I will. Um, so, 
there's a, a couple of these four announcements. Keep checking the bulletin board. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.